people of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the first time, whether you are here in our sanctuary or worshiping with us from afar, we give thanks for your presence. We give thanks that we are God's people here today, gathered in whatever way the Spirit has drawn us to be together. We give thanks for the opportunity to worship our God in this place. There is a red friendship folder in your pew if you are in our sanctuary, and we invite you to take that and note your presence with us. Pass it to your neighbor so they may do the same. And while you do that, I do want to draw your attention to our announcement in the bulletin about our anniversary celebration. Our ground, we are trying to have another picnic, friends. One more before it gets too cold. We're calling it the sweater weather picnic. That's the, uh, the informal term, but it is our Grounded in Grace picnic, our anniversary celebration we have each year. It's going to be on November 7th, two weeks from today. We are going to gather for a picnic outside in worship. We will celebrate our life together. We will give particular thanks for those members who have been, have been members for 50 years or more, and we will also celebrate our life together and the future that God is already at work amongst us preparing. We give thanks for all of it, and it's a wonderful day in the life of our church, so please plan to join us on November the 7th, both here in worship and for our picnic afterwards. If you are planning to join us to give our committee a little help, if you can note in that red folder that you are attending, a little RSVP would be helpful. We can assure you though there will be enough for all, but that is helpful for us to have a good count for that day. So whatever the weather, we hope you will bundle up with us and join us for a wonderful day of celebration in the life of our church. Friends, it is always a joy to worship God, and what a privilege it is to be a part of God's work here in our midst today. Let us open our hearts and our minds. Let us open all of ourselves to be moved and shaped by the God in whom we live and move and have our being. Let us worship God together. As you are able, please stand and join me in the call to worship. In worship, we tell a story. A story of an unfettered love that changed the world. In worship, we tell a story that we live and how we long to live. In worship, we tell a story because we are a forgetful people. So may we remember who we are. May we release the narratives that trap us. May we reimagine this world to see what God sees. And may we remark toward restoration. It's all that easy and it's all that hard. Let us worship holy God. Please join me in singing together hymn number 697, Take my life.
scripture tells us <clears throat> that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and then we shall be witnesses for Christ. Let us come before God confessing sins and acknowledging other barriers that may prevent us from being the disciples that God has called us to be. Let us pray the prayer of confession as found in your bulletin. O God, to restore is to bring back. So today we bring our hearts back to you, our thoughts back to love, and our prayers back to peace. We try to stay in this place, but we confess it's never been that easy for us. We flirt with reconciliation and then back away. We come face to face with an opportunity for justice. I get scared. We are offered an opportunity to rewrite our story, but we lose our way. Bring us back to this moment. Bring us back to your story where brothers extend grace to one another, and even the one who denied was forgiven. Bring us back. Restore us. Forgive us. People of God, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. And Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. the possibility of being restored through confession of sins and doing penance. We are therefore at peace, knowing that we are reconciled with our God. Let us pass that peace to one another, using the American Sign Language that we have been using for several months. The peace of Christ be with you all and also with you. The peace of Christ be with you, uh, and also with you.
Will you pray with me, please? God, we cannot do the work of restoration without your word. We cannot do the work of remembering, releasing, or reimagining without your word. We need you like the earth needs rain and a sailboat needs wind. We come to you in prayer to ask that you breathe new life into us. Grant us the clarity needed to hear your word anew. And as you do, restore us to your breath. Restore us to your word. Restore us to one another. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from Genesis 33, verses 1 through 11. Listen for God's word for us today. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the new maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with their children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up, he saw the women and children, and he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please. If I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly, to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Since you have received me with such favor, please accept my gift that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me. And because I have everything I want, so he urged him, and he took it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our anthem today was written by Sue Ellen Page, a composer in central New Jersey who wrote this piece for the congregation at Nassau Presbyterian Church in Princeton. You will notice in your uh, bulletin that there is a part for you in this. And when it comes to that, I will try to remember to turn around and cue you again. <laughs> but if I don't, follow these people. They're gonna, they're gonna lead you.
I invite my young friends forward for our time for young disciples. <laughs> Go ahead. You can join us if you want. Good morning, friends. Ooh, careful. I'm so glad to see you. Good morning. You want to sit by me, bud? Okay. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to see you. I have a question for everybody. I want you to think in your brain, what is something you are really good at? Go ahead. Basketball. All right. What else are you really good at? Good morning, Rafaela. What are, what are you all really good at? What are some examples? Gaming. Gaming. All right. What are you really good at? What is that? Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Great. Maybe some sports? No, he, he actually 
she said baseball, not baseball. I'm sorry. I thought it was like Facebook. Really? That's well, okay. I misunderstood. Baseball. Your mother was wondering what in the world. Uh, baseball. Well, maybe some sports. I bet some of you are really good at being kind to other people. I'm good at soccer. At what? Soccer. Soccer. Yep. You play soccer too, don't you? There are lots of things. You're good at art. There are lots of things we're really good at. And I bet if we asked all these people out here, they would tell us things they are good at too. I know, I know one thing for my sister. Okay. Blocking out sound, all the sound around her with her phone. Well, we'll leave that between you and your sister for today. How's that? So, I want to tell you about some of Jesus' friends. Jesus visited some of his friends on a beach, and they were really, really good at fishing. That's something they knew how to do really, really well. But one day, hey, pay attention. One day, he asked them, he asked his friends to do something they knew really well, to fish, but to do it in a different way. And they thought, Jesus, you're silly. You don't know about fishing. We know about fishing, but it was a weird night because they hadn't caught anything. And Jesus said, I want you to try this thing that you're really good at, and I want you to try it in a new way. And do you know what? Their nets were filled with fish, and they couldn't believe it. And what I oh, thought about, I know the story. I'm glad you know this story. You're right. You're absolutely right. Jesus told them to put their net on the other side, and there was more than they could even fit in their boat. And it's a reminder to me that there are things we're all really good at. We all have unique gifts that God has given us. But sometimes God might want us to do those things we're really good at just a little bit differently. And I don't mean God wants you to change the rules of soccer. God wants you to change how you hit the baseball. I mean God might want you to use those things in ways to help love more people. God might use the fact that you're really good at art or at a sport to maybe include someone who isn't otherwise included. Or you could be really good at those things and help teach someone else how to do them. Or you, if you're really good at art or something like that, you could use those skills to make a card or a drawing for someone who's having a really hard day. Sometimes God wants us to use things we're really good at just in a little bit different ways. And God works through us to spread God's love, and we can be a part of that in the world. And I just think that's so awesome. But I, So this means the next time you're doing something, I bet you love something you're really good at. I want you to remember that God might be asking you to use that to care for someone, or to love them, or to include them, or to share God's love more fully with them. Can you remember that next time you're doing something you're really good at, something you love? That would be great. All right, well, let's have a prayer together. You can all repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you for the gifts you've given us. Help us to use those gifts to share your love. Amen. Thank you all. You can go to music with Mr. Carpenter.
My friends, in the past three weeks, we have been challenged to remember the stories of God's faithfulness that have knit their way into our hearts. We've been challenged to release the things that separate us from God in this world. We've been challenged to reimagine old stories and reflect upon the narratives that we've always heard about them, wondering if God might be seeking to do something new among us. And today we're being called to an act of restoration, moving ever closer toward being the people God calls us to be. And so hear now the gospel reading this day from the gospel according to John, the 21st chapter. Let us listen for the word of God. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked. He jumped into the lake, but the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I asked our young friends a minute ago something they're really good at. Perhaps something came to your mind as well. I'm wondering specifically if any of you brought fishing to your mind. Have you ever been fishing? I've only been a handful of times, but it was enough to realize that in the grand scheme of things, I really had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But the same, the same could not be said for Peter and the sons of Zebedee and the others who stood alongside them on the beach that morning. 
You see, up until the past few years, they'd been fishing for as long as they could remember. If I'd asked them this question, fishing would have immediately come to mind. It's how they made a living, how they put food on the table and provided for their families. They knew the best times to fish, the best ways to fish, the best locations to fish, the best nets for fishing. And yet, and yet a couple of years ago, as you might recall, they left their nets on the banks of the Galilee and followed a man who said that he would teach them to fish for people. Well, they're back on those same familiar waters today, only much has transpired in the last few years, not to mention the last few days. In the last few days, in our scripture text, Jesus died, rose, and appeared to them two other times. And yet here they are, going fishing. Perhaps out of nostalgia or hunger, or just because after everything they'd been through, they needed something familiar, something they were good at. So Peter announced to the others on the beach, I'm going fishing. And the others said, we'll come along too. But something was off. It turns out it wasn't like riding a bike, at least not this time. They're out all night, and they catch absolutely nothing. Not one fish. To add insult to injury, as they're making their way back to shore, they find they have a heckler on their hands. I wondered if it was an Eagles fan, perhaps, a heckler in the stands. But it's a stranger on the beach, a man who calls out to them, children! And then tells them what they already know. You've caught nothing. And then he has the audacity to advise these expert fishermen to throw their nets over the right side of the boat. And keep in mind, he's not saying the correct side of the boat. The right-hand side is what he's saying. Now, to an experienced Galilean fisherman, this advice was nothing short of ridiculous. Because as it turns out, I learned a lot this week, but nearly all fishing in that day was done on the left side of the boat. You see, unlike modern watercraft that have centerline rudders, the steering apparatus in first century vessels was often on the right-hand side because most of the men steering it were right-handed. I know, right? First century fishermen would seldom have fished the right side of the boat because in doing so, the boat could have been damaged, the nets could have been tangled, their catch could have been entirely lost. And I share all this with you just to, just to reiterate, just to remind you how ridiculous the advice was from this stranger. And they could have easily responded, rightfully, I imagine, saying, we have never done it this way before, sir, and for good reason. The old ways have been working just fine until now, so why don't you just stick to what you know, and we'll do the same. And yet, and yet for some unknown reason, they follow the advice of this stranger. And the text makes it clear they did not yet recognize that it was Jesus. Perhaps they were so frustrated after a long night they thought, what the heck, let's give it a whirl, 
One more try. Perhaps their hearts recognized him, even if their eyes didn't. But regardless of what led to their decision in that moment, they chose to lower their nets as this stranger encouraged them one more time. After a night of nothing, and their nets were filled to overflowing. And suddenly, like a lightning bolt that sent shockwaves through them, they knew the man on the beach. The scales fell from their eyes. They knew that it was the Lord. It was Jesus. And I've wondered many times what thoughts, what fears flowed through their minds in those moments when they knew it was him. Because keep in mind, they suddenly recognized him from afar on the shore, but at the same time, they are managing to deal with nets full of flopping fish that are on their hands. And I feel sure that they were frightened, either that their nets would break, or that if they managed to get these fish in the boat, there wouldn't be room for them anymore. There were so many. Perhaps they were in awe that Jesus could accomplish something so spectacular that they couldn't do themselves. Perhaps they were angry about it. After all, they'd worked all night and done it the way it was supposed to be done, the way it had always been done. But sure, here comes Jesus, and in one fell swoop, he has them throw out the way they'd always done it. And maybe they're angry because it worked. Or perhaps they felt grateful. Grateful they had a catch that they could sell to put food on their tables. Grateful that Jesus had not admonished them for returning to something they knew and returning to the old way of doing it. Perhaps they were grateful that this new chapter living in resurrection times would not require them to do everything differently, but just require a willingness to do some of the same thing. Or perhaps these hearts that had seen so many miracles alongside Jesus were weeping with gratitude to see one more. One more reminder that even the things most familiar to them would be different now. One more reminder that the things they were best at could be so much more spectacular if they were willing to let Jesus lead. I want to tell you about a dear friend of mine. She's someone who is extraordinarily gifted at throwing her nets on the other side of the boat. And she serves a church that I have seen be willing to throw their nets on the other side of the boat time and time again. Claire is the pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church in Olathe, Kansas. She's been there for about Heritage, this church, it's located on a piece of land that was a dairy farm years ago, owned by Glenn and Margaret Ewing. However, as the Kansas City metro area expanded in the 1980s and 90s, some of you, this will ring familiar in our neck of the woods, well, housing developers soon had new plans for all of those acres that the family had farmed for a lifetime. As their land was sold and development began in South Olathe, Glen and Margaret 
Lifelong members of First Presbyterian Church of Olathe donated eight acres and a farmhouse so that Heritage Presbyterian Church could be born. As founding members, when the congregation was chartered in 1998, Glenn and Margaret were an integral part of the first chapter of God's vision for this church, throwing their nets on the other side of the boat in a way that they'd never done before. Perhaps fearful the nets could break, that all their fishing might amount to nothing, but they stepped out in faith anyway, grounding this new church in the truth of the gospel that sometimes Jesus calls us to try something entirely new, to throw our nets on the other side of the boat. And it worked. Heritage Presbyterian Church took its first breath of life and for years, for years has been a small but vibrant church just south of Olathe. For years, it's looked very similar to many other Presbyterian churches. Worship on Sunday mornings, fellowship, prayer meetings, committee meetings, mission projects, Bible studies. But a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, the saints of Heritage Church started to feel the Spirit's nudge to perhaps consider going fishing again to consider throwing their nets on the other side of the boat another time. Believe it or not, it started when a local rock band walked into the church's office one day. This is a true story, by the way. Walked in, asking if they could rent the barn on the church's land to shoot a music video. And the session, against all odds, threw their nets on the other side of the boat and said yes, fishing for God knows what that day, and before they knew it, in ways they could never have predicted or imagined or explained, before they knew it, they were starting an evening worship service with the help of the musicians in this rock band. And today, Heritage Presbyterian Church is throwing their nets on the other side of the boat again, as they discern God's vision for their congregation and continue to be reminded of the fertile ground on which they reside, where new life can flourish and grow. They have prayed about possibilities. Boy, have they prayed. I have heard about so many prayers for what God might do. They have prayed about possibilities. They have tried things and they have failed. They have tried again and they have failed. They have tried and had mild success and then tried and failed again. And now they are digging their hearts into the soil of a new adventure called Farmstead 8 on those eight acres. They're reimagining what their life and purpose could be in the community where they reside. And as they introduce this idea to their community, they write, you know, we are that church, we are that church located at the entrance to your neighborhood that you drive by all the time. We have that hay barn, those two silos, and eight acres of wide open space nestled in the middle of your typical American suburb. And we've been dreaming for a while about this land we have been given 
becoming something more than just the church in your neighborhood that you pass by as you make your way to and from home. We've been dreaming of it becoming a community gathering space where neighbors from all different backgrounds, walks of life, faith, traditions can come together to grow something good in the world. We believe that the world is just better when people have the chance to know one another up close, to build relationships they can count on and work together to care for the earth and the people who fill it. We've been dreaming about Farmstead 8, a place where kids can play, youth can hang out, and neighbors can connect, a place where a community can come together to grow some real food to feed people. And yes, we're talking about the orchard and garden variety of food, but another kind, too. We believe we are fed when we are seen and known and cared for by others and have the chance to return that love and care as well. So to be real clear, this isn't about us trying to get you to join our church. It's about community and growing something good together. So let's be neighbors and see what we can grow together. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, Farmstead 8 hosted its first ever fall festival and orchard dedication for their community where they planted trees for the very first time. Trees that in two to three years will provide produce for families that can't afford it and for partner organizations seeking to feed people in the food deserts of the metro area. Janet is one of their most faithful volunteers. She's been at the church, a member, for years. Janet has shown up for every event, every planning meeting, every time there was a job to do, Janet was there. When four people showed up, Janet was there. When a dozen people showed up, Janet was there. When no one showed up, Janet was there. And two weeks ago, this church that typically might see a couple dozen folks on a, set on a Sunday evening, they welcomed 200 members of the community to their property for this fall festival. And their nets were filled to overflowing. Janet stood on sidelines as families emptied out of their cars by the dozens. Many of these families couldn't afford the other fall festivals in town, but everything at this one was free. And so families came to the property for a hayride, for face painting, to see pumpkins and to gather together, and Janet burst into tears not because anyone was joining her church in the way she always thought they might, but because after all this time, after all this time, the dreams they had imagined that this church could be for their community, they were finally coming to fruition. Once again, they'd been willing to throw their nets on the other side of the boat, and God was faithful and the nets were not broken. 
as I imagine the future that God is preparing among us here at this church, at Morrisville Presbyterian Church, my heart is filled to overflowing with joy and possibilities. Possibilities that might come from a more accessible and welcoming space for worship and fellowship in our memorial garden. Possibilities that might come from groups that already reside in our building. Possibilities that might come from our gifted and talented staff and board leadership. Possibilities that might come from any number of you as you imagine what God might be doing among us here. And I am certain possibilities that we have not even begun to explore about how God might work within us and through us to be a place of welcome and compassion and love for this community. But if we take anything from our scripture lesson this morning, it is a reminder, friends, that the familiar way we've always done things, they may keep us scratching our heads all through the night and even into the dawn wondering why we haven't caught anything yet. And it doesn't mean the old way must be tossed aside, but it means that if we're willing to listen to the voice of Jesus among us, we might be called to try the old things in a new way. If you're willing to try the other side of the boat, yes, it might be scary, and yes, it might seem absolutely ridiculous, and yes, we might wonder if there will even be room for us with all this new life leaping in. But you can bet that if Jesus is calling us to do it, the nets will not be broken. And it turns out they might even be strengthened for exactly what lies ahead. Now the temptation is to assume that Jesus may ask this of us once, and then it's done. But if I've learned anything from this scripture and anything from watching my friend Claire and her church struggle through long nights without catching any fish, it's that Jesus will ask this of us again and again and again. And thanks be to God for that, friends, because it reminds us we are always being transformed. It reminds us we are always being remade and always being restored to the God who has entrusted this church and this community to our care. So grab your nets. Grab all of them. We're going to need them, friends. And let's go fishing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us continue to glorify God by rising as you're able and singing hymn number 716. God who's giving knows no ending.
as we affirm our faith through the words in your bulletin written by Sarah R. As we seek to restore all that God can do within us and through us, let us state what we believe. We believe in a restoring God who restores our bodies through the gift of Sabbath. We believe in a restoring God who restores our souls through the gift of grace and second chances. We believe in a restoring God who restores this hurting world through the gift of mercy and God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we believe in a restoring God who invites us to join in this restoration work. As people of faith, we seek to restore creation to God by feeding the hungry, loving our neighbors, forgiving 70 times 7, welcoming the children, seeing all, loving all, and living like we belong to all. And so we will work until God's promised day. This we believe. Amen. My friends, as we seek to be a part of God's restoration work in this world, we hear the words from Moses in the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy when he says, Take care not to forget the Lord your God. Take care not to forget the Lord your God in all that you do, in all that you say, in all that you are. And so each week at this time in our worship, we take care not to forget the Lord our God by returning to God a portion of the gifts that God has given us, and we dedicate them to God's work in this world. Oh, one second. Sorry, one more. Thank you. Sorry. I totally... That was my fault. Each week, friends, I had to get my prop. This week in particular, we are dedicating our annual commitments to the Lord. These estimate of giving cards, many of which you have already sent in, these are also gifts which we return to God. In a way that we commit not to forget our God, we take care not to forget our God in all that we do. And more than a time to show your support for the church and its programs, these are also an opportunity to take Jesus up on his invitation to hold it all more loosely, to give generously to the God who has given so generously to us. The invitation each week or each year, friends, is not to check one more box. It's not to do one more thing to convince ourselves that we earn our way into God's good graces. The invitation is to release our, our grip on the things of this world. To throw our nets out on the other side of the boat so that the Spirit might seep into those nets and help us remember the stories of, God of God's faithfulness. Help us release the things that separate us from God. Help us reimagine what God can do in us and through us. And ultimately help us restore our hearts so that God can mold them and shape them and restore them ever more beautifully for service in God's kingdom. So I invite you to give joyfully today, friends. Let us give generously. Let us give with thankful hearts. If you have not yet returned your card, you may place it in the plate today. You may speak with me after worship if you did not receive one or with one of our deacons. 
And today as we receive our offering, let us give thanks for all that God has given so generously to us. I invite the ushers forward to receive our weekly offerings and our annual commitments.
please turn to your bulletins and let us read responsively the prayer of dedication found there. Gracious and loving God, with joyful and thankful hearts, we dedicate our gifts and our annual commitments to you. May these gifts become tangible reminders of your work and restoration within us. May these annual commitments be used in service to your kingdom, that we might be a restoration people. May they be the first fruits of all we have, and not what we have left over, so that we may live out as closely as possible how you give to us. Today we bring our hearts, minds, and money back to you in hopes that you will so good. May we be surprised in our lives, in our church, in our ministry together. We dedicate our lives to you, O oh God. May we be a blessing to others as we live out our call. We pray that we will be good stewards of all that you have given to us. Restore us to you, O God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Let us come unto God in prayer, offering to God the prayers of our community, of our congregation, and of our hearts. Let us pray. Almighty God, creator of the good earth with all its seasons, we give you thanks. You are the caretaker of heaven and the sea. You are the breath of life to all humankind. You are the Lord of all birth, life, death, and resurrection. Thanks be to you, the God of my salvation. When we need you, you are there, O Lord. Even when you seem far away, at this moment, we know that you are present when our eyes are wet with tears and when our hearts are anxious. Help us to know that you're truly at present with us when we worry about places outside our doors and when we have worry in the depths of our being. Give us quiet in the midst of torment so that we may find times of gladness in our worship, our play, and our work. May all that we do give you glory. Lord, we believe that you will never fail or forsake us, but we pray that we may never take your love and your faithfulness for granted. Attune us to truth and service so that our actions may radiate the presence of the risen Christ. 
support us as we pray and care for people who are sick, disquieted, and hungry. Surround them with your presence, with your wholeness and your peace. Teach us, O oh God, the many ways of love and compassion and help us to be good stewards of your mystery and of all the many blessings that we enjoy. And now let us pray with the confidence of Christ in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, please stand as you are able and let us sing together hymn number 757. Today we are all called to be disciples.
friends, as we imagine all the ways God may call us to throw our nets on the other side of the boat, may we do so remembering that the one who calls is faithful. May we do so remembering that the one who calls will never allow those nets to be broken. As we go out from this place, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.